Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome back to Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and today we have some exciting news. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is an audiobook site with over 180,000 titles to choose from. You can sign up and get a 30-day free trial as well as a free audiobook download using my code, www.audibletrial.com NGL. So today I am joined with Don Corbin. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And I was planning on talking about just NBA today, but Don is a Rams fan, and he told me, he said, look, I got to talk to the Saints fans. So we'll touch on this a little bit, uh, the NFC and AFC Championship games, but for a more in-depth breakdown of uh, my Super Bowl picks and how everything went down, be sure to tune in next week for the pre-Super Bowl episode. So, Don, why don't you take it away? Tell, tell, the, tell the fans what you're trying to say. Okay, so when the play happened, I, you know, I wasn't watching the whole game because I'm a really nervous fan, so I was a little ner- too nervous to watch the game. So I, I was on Instagram after the game, and all, I see all these Saints fans talking about, oh, we were robbed, we were robbed, all this other stuff. Rams don't deserve to win. But the thing is, you guys were up 13-0 at one point at home, but you let us get back into the game. They, the Saints went to the, got in the red zone nine times. They only scored touchdowns twice. And then in overtime, they got the ball first, and then Drew Brees decided to throw a pick. They had multiple chances to win the game. It wasn't just that one play that lost them the game. They had a lot of other chances, and I feel like they didn't capitalize, and that's why they lost. Yeah, I think as probably an unbiased fan, I do have to agree with you. I think that that was a missed call. I think it would have ended the game for sure, but there were so many other chances. And I think the biggest thing that we miss out on is how great Greg Zuerlein was. So he kicked a field goal from 48 yards, sent it to OT, and his game winner was from 57. And we've seen the importance of having a great kicker, and he proved why it's so valuable to have a guy who can kick it not only accurately but from so far. And you're right, there were so many chances that they had. The defense could have stopped the Rams after they kicked that field goal. They could have scored a touchdown on the first drive. They threw an interception that put them into field goal range. There is a rule that Roger Goodell has and is able to make them replay the game, which a lot of Saints fans have been calling for, but I think it's largely unnecessary because they had so many chances to win and they couldn't get it done. So switching over to the AFC Championship game, there's also a missed call that Chiefs fans are calling out. For those of you who don't know, the Chiefs defensive lineman was called for a roughing the passer off of a Tom Brady pass, but if you go back and look at the video, Yes, it was a missed call, but there's also a pass interference call down the field that they didn't call, which would have put the Patriots in better field position. So I think you kind of have to look past that one and also focus on the Chiefs and Patriots couldn't stop each other. So it was a matter of whoever got the ball first was going to win in overtime. I think it was a great game. It's really great for football. I think it's unfortunate that Patrick Mahomes couldn't keep the storybook season up and make it to the Super Bowl, but you have to credit the Patriots for doing it again, which is crazy. All right, so I think that's enough NFL. Like I said, be sure to tune in next week to hear more of the breakdown of, of the, the games as well as picks for the Super Bowl. But let's go ahead and transition into the NBA. So there have been a lot of trade rumors, a lot of, uh, of talk of who's going to go where or what team should be buyers, what team should be sellers. And, Don, you've got a couple buyers and sellers for me. Why don't you go ahead and, and tell me who those are? So uh, first one that I came up with was the Suns. The Suns, they're a one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NBA. and But the thing is, they, they have a lot of talent. It's just some of their other positions aren't as good as others. And I feel like they, they really should trade for a point guard. What I was thinking is they could trade for a, a really established point guard that can help them 
win in the immediate future, or they could get a young point guard that can kind of grow with Booker and Aiton and become kind of a three-headed monster. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking they could try and trade for Conley, who the Grizzlies are looking at, looking for offers for him, or Dennis Smith Jr., who's had some tr- trouble with Mavericks management. Yeah, I think that's that's a good idea. Also, Terry Rozier from the Celtics, I think, has gained a lot of interest, and he would be a great team to add in there as well. I think one of my buyers uh, has to be the Clippers. Uh, they they are right there. They're on the edge. They've got a lot of pieces that are producing at high levels, but they can't pay all those guys. This is kind of the year where they have to kind of consolidate their talent and go for somebody who can who can help them, who may be on a big contract, but that they'll be able to afford because you can't pay seven guys starter money or eight guys big starter money like guys like Danilo Gallinari, Tobias Harris, Lou Williams have all you know, kind of commanded with their play this year. And it's great that they're playing as a team, but they really need to find that guy to help them solidify. I also feel that whoever they trade for needs to also kind of fit into that team mm-hmm. ball because if you get someone that is focused, it is more of a one-on-one kind of person. It kind of takes away from their identity and limits what the other players can do. Definitely, yeah. They have a, they have a selfish or selfless mindset, which really helps their team uh, be as good as they're able to be. So my next buyer is uh, 76ers. They've been playing pretty well recently, but I feel like they still haven't quite captured that magic that they had last season, and that's because they le- they lost a lot of their shooters. So I think they should go out and try and find some more shooters or some more depth so that way it's not all on their big three to accomplish all their goals, especially with Mar- Markel Fultz being out. Mm-hmm. I think one of the guys that they could look at is a Bradley Beal. I think they've got the assets to make that trade, and that would help them a bunch. That would give them another great shooter and a guy who doesn't necessarily need to be on the ball in order to uh, you know, produce. So now let's go ahead and, and uh, shift over to sellers. You touched on it before, but one of my biggest sellers in my mind is the Grizzlies. Now, there have been rumors that Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley are both going on the trade block. Uh, for good reason. I think that the Grizzlies aren't going to be able to do what they've been able to do in previous years with them. They're getting older. And right now is the best time to get them because next year they may not be at the same level. Uh, I think there have been, been various rumors, like you mentioned, Mike Conley, uh, you know, moving him out to, to Phoenix. Where are some other places you might see the, the uh, Marcus Allen and Mike Conley go? So I was doing a little you know, research and stuff. And uh, one of the things that kind of interesting was the Clippers. I saw this. Uh, on Bleacher Report, uh, they said that they could send him to L.A. for Marcin Gortat, Jerome Robinson, Milos Teodosic, and a 2019 second-rounder for Marcus and Shelvin Mack. I think that would be a pretty good spot for him to land. Yeah, no, I agree, too. And I think a lot of, of what that'll be on is how high the Grizzlies value Jerome Robinson, who was their first-round pick uh, this year, but hasn't gotten a lot of playing time in the Clippers because a lot of it's very spread out. The Grizzlies' main thing, they should look to get younger because outside of Jaron Jackson Jr., they really don't have a young kind of core to build. So even even if they were to keep the team together, they don't have a future after these after Mike Conley and Gasol eventually leave. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great guy to build from, and I think they just need to scrap everything and start with him because he's shown flashes of being a perennial all-star player. And I think if they get the pieces around him, they can they can compete in a few years because he's got that that high level of play. Now, before we move on, I want to talk about a team that could probably be both could probably do well as a buyer or a seller. And that's the Celtics. They're my favorite team, so I talk about them a lot. But I think 
one of their biggest problems is they have so many assets and so much wealth that they can't distribute it to everybody. So either by consolidating their assets and going for a bigger player will help them not only rid themselves of a deep bench, which has caused problems, but also get them a star that can help produce in maybe a different way that they haven't had before. Yeah. I was When I was looking at the Celtics roster and some of the problems that they've been having, I think that they should either they should look to trade Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown because Gordon Hayward, he hasn't been quite been what we were expecting him to be. It's kind of um, it makes sense because of the gruesome leg injury, but what's happened is he's kind of turned into being a role player, and I feel like if you're gonna pay someone that much money, I I would rather trade him for someone that is actually a role player and it costs less money, mm-hmm. and let him go somewhere and be the guy. They showed that they could play without Gordon Hayward and with Kyrie last year because that's they played most of the season with that team, and I feel like having Hayward on the team kind of also limits Brown. Or hey, if you don't trade Hayward, I would trade Brown because he's also in a similar situation where he kind of has to play as a role player in this new version of the team. Yeah, so I've also been busy at work on the ESPN trade machine, which basically lets you uh, put guys together and try to make salary caps work. Uh, and I, I decided to go a, a little off. I didn't want to follow something that my that Bleacher Report says or something that I've seen elsewhere online. I want to try and come up with trades that were maybe new to you guys and you hadn't heard before. Uh, I also posted a picture of a blockbuster trade that I put together on Twitter. Uh, You've got the Lakers, Pelicans, Warriors, and Celtics all involved. AD goes to the Lakers. I don't want to spoil all of it, but if you want to check it out and see the full picture and tell me how I did, check it out on Twitter, at PodcastNGL. So here's my first one. It's between the Nets and the Grizzlies, and this involves Marcus Gasol, like we mentioned before. So I want to see Alan Crabb and Ed Davis of the Nets, as well as the first-round pick, go to the Grizzlies for Marcus Gasol. Now, I think Marcus Gasol can kind of fill in the role that Ed Davis played and maybe do it a little bit better. He's got better offensive skills, he's got better defensive skills, and he's got that leadership and experience quality that most teams need. Don't look now, but the Nuggets, or excuse me, the, the Nets have a winning record, and they're in the sixth seed in the East. So they need that kind of guy who can help grow Jared Allen and also provide uh, on, the, on that team and produce on that team in order to make them most successful. And I think this helps the Grizzlies because Allen Crabb uh, and Ed Davis are younger than 30, and a first-round pick always helps teams when they're, when they're needing to rebuild. Yeah, I think Marcus Gasol would also help because, especially early in the season, they were losing a lot of close games. They would have leads and then just squander them at the end. And even though they've been playing better of late, there's always that there's always that chance that since they're a younger team, they could go back into their old ways and start blowing leads, especially in the playoffs, because most of these players haven't played in the playoffs before. So adding Gas- Gasol would have a nice veteran leadership who can kind of calm them down when things might be going out of hand. Yeah, definitely. And this next trade, this is probably one of my favorite trades between the Wizards and the Mavericks, and that's sending Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. from the Mavericks to Bradley Beal. I think this helps because it helps the Wizards jumpstart their rebuild. It gives them a young, great point guard, and Harrison Barnes isn't that old either. And so they're able to grow around those guys, and I think it really helps the Mavericks because you trade a young, uh, starting-to-develop guy for a guy who's developed, who doesn't need the ball, who would play well with Luka. And honestly, the the Mavericks are four and a half games out of the eight seed, and with Bradley Beal, who's to say that they can't make a run with a three-headed monster of DeAndre Jordan, Bradley Beal, and Luka Doncic? 
Yeah, and especially because uh, one of the problems with Dennis Smith Jr. that he's been having is they bo- he and Luca both like to have the ball, and they kind of need it to be effective. And so trading for Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal is already used to playing off of someone when he plays with John Wall. So it would be someone who's also experienced to kind of take some pressure off Luca in those tighter games, and if they make it to the playoffs, can kind of, like Marcus all, add some veteran leadership and keep everyone at bay. Yeah, and the final one, I think uh, I'd be doing a disservice to the podcast if I didn't enter in a Celtics trade. So I like this one. Some people were kind of questioning it when I put it together, but I think it makes sense. So Nikola Vucevic, who is a star center on the Magic, he's averaging 20 and 12, having a great season, uh, would be sent to the Celtics for Aaron Baines, Terry Rozier, and Gersh Yabuselli. And most of you probably don't know who Gershon Yabuselli is. It's not that important. It's more for um, just salary needs and meeting meeting the cap and meeting the restrictions. Uh, but Terry Rozier gives them a point guard of the future. He gives them uh, another you know budding star to pair with Aaron Gordon and hopefully rebuild that roster. And one of the biggest reasons the Magic are looking to move on from Vucevic is because of Mo Bamba, who most of you may not have heard except for in the song by Sheck West. Uh, but he is a rookie point guard, or excuse me, rookie center for the Magic this year, who's been playing well, but he's been overshadowed by Vucevic's big year. But having Aaron Baines gives them a defensive presence and helps grow Mo Bamba into what could be a good player, and they could have a solid roster put together with the three of them. Which brings me to my next point of, okay, so the Celtics have traded three guys, got one guy back, so who do they go for? How about sign Mello? Carmelo Anthony was recently traded to the Bulls, basically just for cash and to be let go. And now he's soon to be a free agent on the market. So there's been a lot of talk about where Melo's going to go and if Melo's done. I want you to tell me, Don, who signs Melo? Where is Melo going to go or is Melo done? I've never really been a huge Melo fan. Uh, some of those New York years, I was like, okay, he's, he's good. But I feel like it's not. It's a combination of his mentality and skill set, but it's mainly his mentality that has been holding him back these past few years. He still feels that he's Carmelo Anthony, like he's still a star, and he should still start and get heavy minutes. But the problem is his play style doesn't fit with the new NBA. His play style more fits a six-man kind of role, but he mentally just can't get past that. And I feel like that is what's truly holding him back. So I, if I'm a team, unless you're trying to get people to buy tickets, I wouldn't sign Melo. Having him in that role player position or six-man position helps because a lot of those guys can do one thing really well. And Melo can do one thing really well, and that's score the basketball, which is big in this league. But I agree with you in the sense of that if he can't get out of his own mind of being that star uh, that he he was or he once was, that he's not anymore, he's not going to be able to be successful. But if he can go to a team that's in need of bench scoring and he can adapt to that role and fit in, then I don't see why he can't be successful. And honestly, there's a lot of teams that could benefit from having Melo on their team. Speaking of being successful, some of you may have made New Year's resolutions, broken New Year's resolutions, or looking to start a New Year's resolution towards the end of January. I've got the answer for you. Audible. Audible is an audiobook site that has over 180,000 titles, and listeners of this podcast get a free 30-day trial with a book download. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com slash NGL and sign up and get your free 30-day trial. You can listen to various books such as my favorite, Shoe Dog, a memoir of Phil Knight, the creator of Nike, and many other titles. You can listen in your car. You can listen on your way to class. You can listen while you're doing homework. It's a great way to gain more knowledge and more information. 
For those of you who might have missed it, it's www.audibletrial.com NGL. You won't regret it. Now, instead of focusing on trades here, I kind of want to talk to Don a little bit about teams that need to stay put. Now, I know we've mentioned the Lakers in trade rumors. They've been in it since the beginning with Anthony Davis, with Bradley Beal, with different stars, but you kind of have a different perspective. So I want you to kind of walk me through why you think the Lakers are good where they're at. So I feel like part of the reason why everyone has been talking about trades and stuff like that is because LeBron going to the Lakers has made the media all, all immediately think, oh, we need to get LeBron, oh, blah, 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 we need to get LeBron, all this stuff. But most people, especially people who are like actual Laker fans, know that, especially since we've dealt with five years of just awfulness, it was just awful. So we're really not in a rush to being good. It's great to be like, it's great to be in a position where we're going to make the playoffs, depending on where, what seeding we are, we could win a series, maybe two depending on who we play. And I feel like the fact that people keep wanting to trade for, like, Bradley Beal, Anthony Davis, like, they keep trying to put push all these different stars to L.A. is, be, is the media trying to push a narrative that's not quite there. Yeah, and I think a lot of, especially LeBron fans, have been spoiled in the sense that they get instant gratification. They instantly get to their team to go into the finals. They instantly get to have that number one team. But Lakers fans are more accustomed. Ever since Kobe left, they haven't been great. And they're happy to have a winning record right now. And the fact that LeBron's gone is even more of a compliment to the young stars that they have, allowing them to develop stars like Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, uh, Brandon Ingram. And I think that this is probably the most complete team LeBron has ever had. Now, I know he's had stars such as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love on his team, but past that, you've got guys like Tim Faye, Mozgov, Matthew Delvadova, guys you wouldn't hear of unless they were on the Cavaliers. And looking at the Cavaliers now, 9-40, and 40, without LeBron, they're kind of lost. So this is a message to all the fans out there that really want to trade from Don and I. Be patient. Wait. They're going to develop. They're going to be great. But if Lakers fans are patiently waiting, you can too. Speaking of patiently waiting, there are a ton of teams that are waiting for this year's draft class. This is arguably one of the most talented draft classes in recent history, headlined by Zion Williamson. Now, if you're living under a rock or don't follow sports whatsoever, you probably haven't heard of him. Zion Williamson is the man with an insane vertical. He's, If he was in the NBA right now, he'd be the second uh, heaviest guy. And I'm not talking about heavy as in fat. I'm talking about heavy as in muscle. He is strong. He is an athletic beast probably the most regarded athlete, highest regarded athlete since LeBron James came out of high school. But I want to talk to you guys about another guy, John Morant. You may not have heard of him before, and that's okay. He's a second-year guy out of Murray State, and he's putting up some great numbers too. So I wanted to take a little bit and discuss who would you rather have on your team, a guy like John Morant or a guy like Zion Williamson? So for me, I like players that are kind of versatile, can play either multiple positions or multiple different styles. And from what I've seen of John Morant, his game is much more versatile, partially because he's a guard, but he's averaging 24 points, 6 rebounds, and almost 11 assists. So he's kind of affecting the game in multiple ways. Whereas Zion, you see, yeah, he may be averaging like kind of similar numbers, maybe more rebounds because he's a bigger guard, but a bigger player. But most of his points come from just dunking, whereas John Morant, he has a much more versatile game. He can shoot off the dribble. He can take you off the dribble. 
finished at the rim. He can do a lot of those same highlight dunks that Zion can. So in my opinion, I'd rather ha have him on my team because he's more versatile and he fits more of this kind of NBA. Yeah, I think it's no question that both players are very talented, but I think what direction you go kind of shows what direction you want your franchise to go. Now, as far as name recognition goes, Zion Williamson is in the in the ESPN, the Bleacher Report uh, highlight videos almost every night that he plays. Uh, so he's got that name recognition. He's going to put fans in the seats right away. Now, there's no telling what John Morant might do once he comes into the NBA, but especially starting off, having a guy like Zion Williamson to promote for your team uh, is going to is gonna generate a lot of buzz right away. That's why everyone's talking about getting him. But like you said, Don, he's not as versatile as John Morant is. He's got he's putting up some great numbers. He's averaging 20, 21 points, uh, 10 rebounds, 2.5 two assists, 2 blocks, and 2 steals, but he's shooting 27% from 3, which we've seen guys like Giannis, we've seen guys like Ben Simmons be able to do it without a jump shot, but it's going to be so much better having a guy like John Morant on the team who's shooting 35%, which isn't that much better, but if you think about it, the difference between in the 20s and in the 30s is massive in the NBA, and you show any sign of weakness, and teams can exploit that. So I think who you want to go for is your personal preference. If you're the Knicks, go for Zion Williamson. You need that big-ticket name to put fans in the seats and to get them excited about it. But if you're looking for long-term success, I think you're going to find it in both ways, but John Morant may be the safer pick. I feel like, especially in this NBA, guards are kind of king. Forwards are have kind of started to take over a little bit more, but when you have a team with a with good a good pair of guards, that kind of that kind of kickstarts the whole thing because you see a lot of teams they have mainly guards and some like wing players, and then their centers are usually just guys who set screens, catch lobs, and then can block some shots and rebound. And another thing that's important that some people overlook is free throw percentage. Zion shooting about 77, 67 or 68% on the year, whereas John Morant, he's shooting eight, almost 81%. That's a huge difference, especially in the NBA, where a lot of rookies kind of struggle with shooting free throws or being consistent with their free throws. And I think free throw shooting, like as said by a lot of people, kind of shows you how good of a shooter you can be. And I, sh I think that that shows that John Morant can become an even better shooter, even though he's, he's a pretty good shooter right now, but I think that shows that he can hit a higher peak I think probably the biggest negative effect on John Morant's game is the fact that he plays for a team like Murray State. Now, with Zion Williamson, you play for Duke. Everything's magnified. Everything you do, you're on the big stage every other night. But John Morant's, the toughest team he's played is Auburn. Uh, he played well. It was on the road. They lost that game. But you don't really know how he's going to do, uh, not only against big teams in college, but against actual NBA teams where, where guys are as good or better than him every single night. Uh, I think he's largely been able to pad the stats because he's been playing against guys that maybe aren't as talented as him, and he's have, and he has to get by on talent alone. But Zion uh, is simply outmuscling those guys, so it's going to take a lot of development for both of them to really become stars in this league. I think there's things that they can work on, but that's true for any NBA player. Uh, right now, if you had to draft, who are you taking, John Morant or Zion Williamson? I think John Morant's someone that you can kind of build around more because in the NBA. Skill is still king. You can have all the athleticism you want, but if you don't have skill, it kind of limits what you can do. That's why you see players like James Harden. He's not the most athletic player, but he just he knows what to do. He gets to the ball. He knows exactly what his skill set is and how to get to the spots that he, where he's most effective. And I feel like one of the things that Zion might struggle with once he gets to the NBA is defensive schemes. They'll 
they'll kind of know how to, especially since he'll probably be playing on a bad team, they'll know how to scheme around him and limit his athleticism, and he's going to have to take more of a intellectual, mental approach to a game. Just going off of a gut feeling, I think I would take Zion. I know that John Morant is a very talented player, but as far as initial returns, you're going to get so much with Zion Williamson, not only highlight plays, but guys coming to, you know, people coming to the stadium every night, people buying his jersey. It's going to be so much bigger than his play on the court. It's going to be also his name and the fact that you're going to be able to market him and make big money off of a guy like him because we haven't seen someone like him in a long time as far as athletic ability goes. Yeah, and one thing that kind of bugs me is stop comparing him to LeBron. He's not LeBron. He's his own player. Every person that's above 6'7 and is big and dunks, they say, oh, can he be the next LeBron? They said that about Andrew Wiggins. They said that about Ben Simmons. It's like there's not going to be the next LeBron. He's his own type of player. He's very unique. There's Everyone else is just them. To compare him to someone like LeBron, an all-time great, well, some people regard him as the greatest of all time to compare a kid to that. Like that's, I feel like that's not right. Yeah, and I think we forget or we lose sight of how great that player really is because they're not as great as the player we're comparing them to. I think Kobe deal, dealt with it a lot with Michael Jordan where he was a great player in his own right. He has uh, an insane scoring ability, insane work ethic, and great defense, but he wasn't as good as Michael Jordan. So he's always going to have that asterisk next to it. But I think, yeah, we just have to sit back and enjoy talent while it's here. All right, I think that's going to do it for the podcast. Thank you, Don, for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Be sure to tune in for the pre-Super Bowl episode of the podcast. You can also listen on Spotify Music, Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to sign up for your free trial on Audible, www.audibletrial.com ngl. Thanks for listening, guys. Go Rams.